Hello there, friend. Welcome back to the Cash Confidence Stylist Podcast. So before we get into this episode, I got a question for you. How often do you ask yourself, where the hell is my money going? Okay, look, a lot of us, that runs in a constant loop in our mind. And it's time to take your first step towards financial empowerment. So I wanted to give you a free resource that is going to help you do just that. I wanna give you Assess Your Situation, which is the first module in my course, as well as your guide to figuring out where the fuck your money is actually going. Sorry if you have kids in the car. So this is gonna be a free guide that I've created to help you break the loops, providing you with tools to assess your current financial situation. You don't even have to break out the calculator and to help you gain awareness about what you actually need to start making those money moves where it truly matters. So go ahead and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the show notes and snag it. The link is down there um, and enjoy this episode. Let me know how assessing your situation goes. Thanks friends. This is Misty Jane, and you're listening to Backroom Beauty Talks, a real, raw, and unedited podcast that helps uplift the hair industry one stylist at a time. Hey there, friends. Oh my goodness, this is episode 15 of Backroom Beauty Talks. I have enjoyed this podcast so freaking much. Not only do I get to chat with my friends and share it with you, but I also have gotten to meet um, some new friends some new people, some new faces. So that has been amazing. Um, Today I'm chatting with Jay Williams. He's an author, an educator, a keynote speaker. Um, He helps people become better stylists, better leaders, better owners. Um, He works within the industry and outside of the industry. This conversation is pure gold. But before we get into it, I want to chat a little bit about what I've got going on in the future. I say future loosely. In December, I'm launching my next group coaching course. And what is that about? It's about all things money. Are you ready to get your financial shit together? Are you ready to change your mindset about money? Are you tired of having debt? Do you want to get rid of some of those bills? You sick of living paycheck to paycheck? I know for me, I was working my ass off and I was making good money, but I just had no idea where it was going. Like literally, I would get paid, felt rich, paid my bills, went through one or two weekends and then bam, felt broke again. If you're tired of that feeling, if you feel like you're just spinning in a hamster wheel, feeling overwhelmed with even starting the process, this group coaching course is for you. So again, www.mistyjane.com, get on that wait list, and then I will send you over all the information. But back to today's episode. So me and Jay talked today. I could have talked to him for hours, honestly, because The things that he talks about are the things that um, just light me on fire. It's self-reflection, communication, being non-judgmental, you know, letting go of comparison, all of the things. So please listen to this all the way through. It is so good. There are so many little chunks of gold throughout this entire conversation. I mean, we go from talking about um, how to handle 2020 to how to better your relationships with your clients behind the chair. So let's get right into it. I present to you Jay Williams. Jay, welcome to Backroom Beauty Talks. How are you doing today? I think I'm doing great. What are you here? I feel great. I feel good. Good, yeah. good. You have nice weather there, I hope. <laughs> um, you don't have snow. So being in the Northeast of Philadelphia, that's my point of reference. No, we don't have snow. It's great weather. 
So Jay, you are a coach, you are a author, you are a speaker, you do a lot of things. Tell me a little bit about that. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, what would probably be most of interest to the audience is how I got into the industry. So my background is around management and leadership. And my wife is a headhunter, a recruiter. And so 17 years ago, she got connected. Someone reached out from Bumble and Bumble and said, hey, we're going to be doubling our sales team and we want a solely dedicated resource. So for two and a half years, she worked as an independent, was the only one who recruited for them. I think hired close to 53 people. Mm -hmm. So in the process, I got to know the beauty industry. And she was like, they are wired for your messaging, emotional intelligence, leadership, communication, values. So I thanked her, didn't quite see the connection. So your audience won't be able to see my hairstyle. But, <laughs> but there isn't any. <laughs> there isn't any hairstyle. There isn't any hair. There's style, no hair. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, and honestly, I hadn't really been in a salon, you know, at best a barber, but that was infrequent as well. So I didn't get the connection, but she said, you know, what you talk about, about there being an emotional connection. And, you know, with companies, I worked with them, they would have people's mental, physical, financial commitment, but not their emotional commitment. She said, this industry's wired for it. So probably about six months in, after me meeting some of the candidates and meeting the people at Bumble, she said, there's an opportunity for you to get in there. And I'd love for you to talk to them. And instantly fell in love with the industry. I mean, Bumble was a great, great company. And the people were friendly and energetic and creative, and they wore their emotions on their sleeve. It was the next best thing to rock and roll for me. Where I came from is more of a corporate setting. So that's how I got in the industry. And so as I began to work with salons and I taught in their business school, I quickly saw that there was an opportunity to bring some of the subject matter expertise that I was exposed to, yet the beauty industry wasn't because they weren't on training companies' radars. And so that's where my passion really came. So between Bumble, uh, I've worked for three companies. One is Bumble and Bumble. Uh, as vice president at Living Proof. And then I had a partner and we had a private label hair care company. Mm -hmm. And so I haven't worked for a lot of companies, but I have worked with a lot of the manufacturers. And primarily if there's product, process, and people, the area I'm passionate about and where you'll find my work highly relevant is around the people side of it because that's what I was finding was the wild card, whether it was inside the industry or uh, outside the industry. So when it comes to people, when it comes to stylists, what do you help them do? What do you help them achieve? So there's two things. Hopefully all the work I do has a compelling human case for it. For those that don't care about humanity, there's also <laughs> a compelling business case for it. So when you say, what do I work with them? Or the, the outcome, the results of this, the things that they'll measure are retention, referral, rebooking, reviews, relationships, and recommendations. Which so, at the end of the day all leads to more money. It does. <laughs> and at some point, now it's interesting because you and I, when we were chatting, we're talking about last year, you asked an owner, what's the number one motivator for their people? And what would they say? Money. Yeah. So you do a lot of podcasts and you talk to a lot of people. 
What do you think the number one motivator is today? Hmm. Mental health. Yeah. <laughs> I would say it, it is because people are balancing this. Now, every decision, there's a financial component to it. There's a health decision to it. And mental health, I'd certainly include in that. And then there's a freedom choice mm-hmm. that's certainly involved there. And so I think that mental health, what leads to helping with that is flexibility. So if you're listening out and you're a stylist or you're an owner or you're a manager, esthetician, whatever capacity, even outside the industry, what I'm hearing is the new currency is flexibility. And if you push comes to shove, you know, an owner asks a stylist, okay, if you can't, I can't give you both. I can't give you two days off and guarantee you make the same amount of money. You have to pick one, which would you pick? Stylists are picking flexibility. Yep, definitely. Especially this year. Especially. So those things do lead to money. So with understanding that that's where stylists want to be is really a combination. I think everybody would agree, hey, I'd love to work less and make the same amount of money. The skill sets that I give, it's interesting because we talk about technical skills and non-technical skills. But somehow when we say technical skills, some people even call them soft skills, it minimizes them. They truly are the crucial skills you need. It's interesting, uh, in my first book, Leave Your Mark, I talk a lot about emotional intelligence. I talk about in the second book as well. Well, for those listening, what what is emotional intelligence? Okay, great question. So here's a common definition, and there's multiple ones out there, but here's the one that we could use for today. Emotional intelligence is simply your ability, so it's something you can learn, your ability to identify and understand an emotion Mm. in yourself and others and adjust your behavior accordingly. I love it. Yeah. So I just want to slow it down. If you're listening, it's simply your ability to identify and understand an emotion, anger, resentment, passion, anxiety, apprehension, whatever it is in yourself and to other people, and then adjust your behavior accordingly. Mm -hmm. And so people studies are fascinating on this because what science has proved is that 70% of the time, the person with the higher emotional intelligence outperforms their counterpart with a higher IQ, 70% of the time. There's a margin of error in the study of about 10%. The other 20% is if you need an exact result or it's um, life or death, that supersedes. So we'll call that IQ supersedes what EQ does. So as an example, Misty, if you need a brain surgery, it's life or death. And there is a woman who had her Harvard law degree and there was me who would you pick harvard law degree okay even though you like me better right (laughs) (laughs) so emotional that's so that's an example um an engineer right about 30 months ago bridge collapsed in florida unfortunately killed two people that wasn't an emotional intelligence that was an iq however 70 percent of the time studies have shown they believe from studies that your emotional intelligence accounts for upwards of 58% of your performance, almost regardless of your profession. So whether you're president of the United States or you're a stylist behind a chair, that 58% of your performance is based on your emotional intelligence. So that completely flipped things. In our industry, I think people instinctually knew it. However, 
how we approach things different. We thought if you're a really good colorist, right? If you can cut hair exceptionally well. And how many times have you known someone who's really proficient at color or cutting hair? And you go, oh, you should be an editorial stylist. You should do um, education, right? Yet they come in the salon, they can't get a book of business. And right. have you ever worked with someone like, God bless them, you don't know how they get out of bed in the morning, dress themselves and get to work, but you love them, the clients love them, their peers love them. Yes. Right. Because it's how people feel at the end of the day. It is. And I've heard it said in this business that we're in the feel good business. Mm -hmm. Emotional intelligence does leverage that because they can identify when someone's feeling good and when they're not. You can look at doctors, right? And I think everybody can relate to this. They've been to a doctor. Most people have left the doctor, have not left them for technical reasons. They right. left them because of what? their bedside manner. They right. kept me waiting. They didn't seem to care. There's an informal study done in the beauty industry. They ask clients why they leave a salon. Eight out of 10 leave for non-technical reasons. Mm -hmm. It's not the cut or the color. Communication, lack of communication, I think is the biggest, the biggest one. I mean- for the world, right? Yes, yeah. I, okay, for example, let's talk about a contractor, right? You want something done in your house. Okay. I will pay extra if you are here on time, if you get the work done on time, if you tell me exactly how much it's going to cost, rather than pay less for the person who doesn't show up, doesn't tell me they're going to be late, doesn't, you know, doesn't say a thing. It's, it goes a long way. And I think in the hair world, it's huge. It's huge because this client wants to feel important. And when you just kind of don't communicate, it's like, I don't know, they just feel like another client, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. As human beings, Abraham Maslow talked about this in his hierarchy of needs. But he said, after human beings have food, water, shelter, sex. Sex, not so much for men. It's more important for women. But, <laughs> no, okay, I just want to see if I could get a laugh out. But he did, he did say, Abraham Maslow, food, water, shelter, sex, the basic core needs as human beings. Here's what we seek out. And it's what you just said, is to feel important. So it's through significance, self-worth, sense of belonging. And so when a client shows up and you're ready ahead of time, it shows a level of respect that you were important enough that I adjusted my day, made whatever changes I needed to be present and whole. When they talk and you listen, when you don't over-talk them, when you ask a second deeper question, when you make recommendations, not sell them, but you make recommendations based on what they told you was important, when you finish on time, when you care enough to say, hey, you always come in Wednesdays or Thursdays about 3.45 because you got to pick up your kid at 6.15. I know you said you're uncertain about rebooking. Let's just book those three. If you need to change them, call me. I'm here. Right. This is somebody with a high emotional intelligence. Um, on, on their end, what they're doing is making that other person feel special. What Abraham Maslow described that every human being seeks significance, self-worth, and a sense of belonging. Yep. I remember um, a long time ago, I learned somewhere that if you say your client's name three times in the first appointment, that they feel like they feel like you're like, it helps build the relationship because you're actually like 
like looking at that person as a person. Cause I don't know how many times you get a new client and you're just like, come on over. And like, you never say their name. And I don't know for me when somebody says my name, it's like this, like, Oh, Oh, they, they care. They know who I am. And it's that tiny stuff that makes a big difference. You know I mean? You could take it's, these thousand dollar balayage classes, but if you're not making somebody feel like they're more than just a client, it really doesn't make a difference. <laughs> it, you know, it doesn't. I think it's in our industry, it's in other industries, the ones that can make you feel special and they realize that they're selling an experience. And in our case, not a haircut. Right. Is that you shifts your thinking. And now all of a sudden you begin to focus your education knowing that, oh, that's why people come back. It's about building trust. And as human beings, there's two things instinctually that every human being seeks out in every interaction. It's trust and respect. The two things we just talked about. Right. And so as a stylist, as a human being, as a business, this is what you, that's why companies have liberal return policies for no other reason than Misty, you can trust us. If you're not happy, our intentions are to make you happy. We don't just say it. Right. And our integrity, we're going to do what we say we're going to do. We're going to make you happy. If we're not, you can bring it back and we'll refund all your money because instinctually they realize this is the currency in which business operates today. Society operates off of this currency of trust. And proficient stylists, they can build trust through their character, their intent and their integrity, and through their competence, their capabilities and their results. And the way that we measure it in our industry, we're very fortunate. We have a metrics, it's called retention. Right. That's your trust rating. If 60% of your people come back, and 60% of your people trust you. The question you want to ask is, what do I need to do to build trust with that other, you know, there's going to be a margin of error. So say the other 20, 25%. Well, let's talk about this for a second because we've got trust and we've got respect, right? And I know that boundaries is a huge word in the industry because majority of hairstylists are people pleasers, right? Mm -hmm. So they, they, they have loose boundaries, you know, and do you feel that boundaries, holding on to your boundaries, sticking to your policies, your cancellation policies, thing, you know, things like that, sticking to your schedule, things like that, create more respect with clients? Does that make sense? Does that question make sense? Oh, it, it does. I'm, <laughs> I'm smiling, which they can't see. You and I can <laughs> see each other. So my sister's a psychologist in Atlanta, and she said this, good fences make good neighbors. Mm -hmm. Yes. And the analogy is when you talk about boundaries, and I think good boundaries make for great relationships. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you have a great fence and you can, and it has a gate on it, you can open it and they can come over when you want them to. And when you don't, you can close it or you can talk over the fence. And I think boundaries within a relationship is important. It's important for them to understand what yours are. And it's important for you to understand what theirs are. You have to be true to yourself. I'll tell you, when I first got in the industry uh, with Bumble and Bumble, so I was spending time in the field, and my boys were very young at the time, and I have a value of family. So one of the things when you know people say, well, you need to work nights and you need to work weekends, and I had come out of retail, and I thought, if I wanted to do that, I would be right back there. Right. But I shared with people when they asked for education, they asked for events, and can you come and work with the team? I said, I can do it any time, Monday through Friday, that you like. Anytime. I could do it as early as you like, 
And I can do it as late as you like, as long as it's not between eight and 10 at night, because that's family time at our home. Right. Other than that, I'm completely flexible. Right. So I gave them those boundaries. And I will tell you, people, were, they said, listen, Jay, I know you have a value of family. What if we shut the salon down between 12 and 1.30? Because we're generally slow and there's a shift change and we do the education. They became creative. So what I had to do was to turn it into a compelling cause for them. I had to deliver that value and that experience that they were willing to be flexible. Now, well, and it goes back to communication as well. Always. Mm -hmm. Communicate early and often. So what I would do is to first understand their perspective first. So I think a lot of times when we talk about boundaries, you want to say, okay, well, here's our policy. Here's our hours. Here's our cancellation policy. Makes sense to you? And by the way, speaking of boundaries, and you alluded to it, that's a very popular topic. Yes, if you go on Facebook today, is about cancellations. And so with your permission, we can play with this a little bit. Oh, of course. Because I think it would be interesting and useful. When someone cancels, there's a tendency for us to defend and explain. We react. Mm -hmm. And so in the book, This Versus A, I talk about reacting versus responding. Reacting, there is no time lapse. And our emotional brain hijacks the rational brain and goes into self-preservation. Well, you held the time and I can't get someone in and this is lost money. Sound familiar to you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and what does the person do on the other side? Well, I couldn't help it, but you know, they shut down the schools and now my kid's home and it's backed up the schedule and I had moved my call. There's something called, uh, you have a neuron in your brain. It's called a mirror neuron. So how you look in the mirror and it, it replicates exactly what you're doing. Your brain does that. If I defend and explain, you defend and explain. Right. So let's, we're talking about cancellation. We're talking about reacting versus responding. That's generally what happens. I think people can relate to that. Mm -hmm. And what happens is that your emotional brain responds faster than your rational brain. It's there to save your life. Your emotional brain evolved around the saber-toothed tiger. I need to <laughs> react, I need to react quickly, and it's fight for death. That, your emotional brain, your rational brain has evolved over time. Your emotional brain has not. It does not differentiate between real and perceived danger. It reacts the same way. That's why you saw the saber tooth tiger and you're yelling and screaming. Your client cancels and you're yelling and screaming. Emotional brain doesn't differentiate. So what you want to do in those situations is not react, but respond. Respond, there's a pause. Time to there's think. The, yes, for you. Mm -hmm. A chance to re-engage for your emotional brain to go, not life or death, don't need that. I need my rational brain. So you pause. So you acknowledge the person said, I have to cancel. And acknowledgement is, it sounds like this time, you know, you're having a challenge with this time. Tell me about that. Right. I need more information because do they need to cancel it or do you just need to come in 15 minutes later? Make right. sense to you? Yes. So what happens, and somebody with a high emotional intelligence has this self-awareness. There are things that are triggers for me. Mm -hmm. There absolutely are. And I have to be aware of them. When somebody's late, it's a trigger for me. I have to be very careful to, yeah, but you know, let's talk about that for a second because we're going to be real with the audience, yeah, right? Absolutely. People yeah. are late and this industry, they almost take pride in it, right? About being late. So you and I had a call scheduled. Right. 
and you called to reschedule it. Then we're going to talk this morning and you reschedule it. The difference was you didn't break a promise. You renegotiated the promise. So I talk about in the book about broken promises versus renegotiated. You can renegotiate a promise as long as you do it before you break it. Right. In both cases, you renegotiated it. And I think my response was, oh, sure, because I felt as though I could trust you. You showed that respect of my time. And now, if you just didn't show for the call or I was waiting. So as a stylist, this is important about how you build trust. It's a conversation all to itself. But if you're going to break a promise at any point in time, you know how you feel when people break a promise with you? It breaks trust. It happens the same way. So when somebody cancels, what's really getting to you, the heart of it, I can't trust you. You broke a promise. Right. And then it's the relationship kind of ends. Well, it can. That's up to you. That's why the book, This First is That, Better Thinking, Better Choices, is people with a high emotional intelligence make that choice because there's the expression, you don't want to cut off your nose to spite your face. Have right. you ever heard that? Yeah, yeah expression. So um, I don't use expressions lightly. I actually look that one up. Uh-huh. There is a time um, in the medieval time where they were taking young women as wives against their wishes. So they would cut off, disform their face so that they were less attractive. Oh, interesting. <laughs> interesting, but not useful. But in any event, so as a stylist, this is important to you that you have the skill set because now you're working, you know, extended days, um, not only hours, but maybe coming on Saturday, coming on Sunday, maybe coming in on Monday, whatever the case would be. And then that happens. And then someone cancels and you go, you know what? I don't know if I could take you back or, you know what? You got to pay anyway, or you got to pay 50. Now you can see this relationship's going down, down. Yes. rapidly. So high emotional intelligence is that, listen, probably wasn't their intention. So I'm not going to react. This is not life or death. Acknowledge there's something that's not working about this time. What the other person wants is you get me. Because listen, they feel bad about canceling too. We've all right. been there. So acknowledge, tell them, listen, it sounds like something about today's not working for you. Tell me what that is. Do you hear something different? Yes, I like, I like that. It's, again, it comes down to communication, not just from you, but from the client as well. Yeah, you just need to make them feel comfortable and safe right. to communicate with you. I love that. Yeah. So I know when um, I was working behind the chair, um, the one thing is I was a big communicator. I mean, even again today, you know, um, I knew I had to let you know I was going to be late. Like there, there's because again, back to the contractor thing, like it's all about communication. Um, and I know just sometimes, you know, you're going to be 15 minutes late, 20 minutes late, 30 minutes late when you're, you know, in, in it when you're doing somebody's foils and you can look at the time and you know it's going to take longer or whatever. And it only takes a few seconds to shoot a text to your client or call your client real quick or have the receptionist call your client and just say like, I, you know, I apologize. Like I'm going to be running this late if you'd like to go grab a coffee before or something like that, you know, and then the client can make the choice from there if they can make it, if it, you know, kind of where to go from there. So, but the communication was always just such a, you have to do it. And it keeps your boundaries for everybody, you know? It's, you know, so you say that, and I agree with you 100%. Yet when you go to beauty schools, <laughs> very rarely is that laid down because 
I've seen people who aren't technically good, but they have a wonderful way about them. And they get this massive margin of error with their clients, with their peers, with their owner. And I've seen people who are technically good, but their people skills aren't developed to the point of their technical skills. And they have zero margin of error. Right. And communication is what we struggle with as a culture now. And it's interesting what you said, you know, you, you, I hesitate to use an expression because you're going to ask me where it came from. And I have no idea where this <laughs> one came from. But you've heard the expression, an ounce of prevention is better than a pound of cure. Mm, have you ever heard I, that? That's one I haven't heard. Oh, okay. <laughs> we can write that down. So an ounce of prevention, you just said it. Let me just text you. I'm going to be late. Right. That's better than a pound of cure when they come in. I'm sorry I'm late. You know what? Let me do your highlights for free. Or you know what? I'll give you 10% off your service. Ounce of prevention is better than a pound of cure. And a majority of the disconnects are around communication. And the challenge is, is with communication is that we're constantly trying to decipher whether you're right or wrong. Right. And I would share with you, stop. Yeah. <laughs> if it's your boyfriend or girlfriend and someone's emotionally charged in communication, your brain is trying to make sense of this. That's how your, your brain is such a sophisticated computer. The challenge is, is when something doesn't make sense. And your brain's going, okay, let me make sense of this, yet you can't make sense of it. And your brain's trying to say, are they right or are they wrong, right? Because that's going to somehow determine. And when we talk about communication, one of the things is you have to let that go. Whether that, when they come in, they said, this was the wrong red, I'm furious. I went home yesterday, I woke up, this was the wrong red. And you go, well, let me just show you, here's the color chart. And I asked you to put your finger and here's the color. Now we've gone into a right or wrong. And by the way, you don't want to be right or wrong. You don't want to be wrong. Neither do they. Right. So now we're off to a flying stop. Right. So for you, when situations arise, take the right or wrong out of it. And contextually, I'm talking about in our communication with our clients. Right. Take that out of it. And it really have to have the mindset today. I share this with people that I'm here to help. I'm not here to judge dramatically different thinking, dramatically different emotions that go with that thinking. Right. Well, let's talk a little bit about um, emotional intelligence in 2020. Because this year is something that none of us could have expected, especially for salons, for stylists. Not only um, did we get shut down, you know, now we're working in you know, conditions that we aren't used to, we're having conversations that are harder. So how does, how, how does, what are you hearing right now this year with the people you're coaching, the people you're talking to? What do you, what do you feel like is shifting this year? Let me start here. I'm going to answer that question. So the question is, what is shifting in people's thinking here? Is that this is the foundation. The brain seeks out duration path and outcome all the time everything you say everything you do is about duration path and it how long is this going to last if we do this will um, this be the right approach and if we do all these things it will justify the outcome right look at 2020 we have no idea how long this is going to be we don't even know if the path we're taking do we wear masks do we not wear masks do we stay home can we go out is it herd mentality we have no idea and then even if we do all these things are we going to have a business to come back to 
So if I stop right there, please take that in, that as soon as you feel anxiety, realize I need to give some duration, path, and outcome to this situation. Essentially a plan? A plan in a time frame. Now you're going, Jay, well, that's great, but we're uncertain. We don't know. Makes sense to you? Right. What you want to do is begin to catalog and document and think about what do I know? So as an example, full transparency, this hit me like it hit everyone else in March. So people called and were nice enough to cancel. They were really nice. In fact, they canceled for the rest of the year. Emotional brain. Oh, the world's coming to an end. Yeah. So, and it was in all industries I work in. And then I have a private label hair care company. And we had a furlough, everyone. Right. And then my wife is a recruiter. Well, people weren't hiring, if you remember what's going on with unemployment. Right. So what do you think my brain went to? Oh, my God, I'm going to be kicked out of my house. I'm going to starve to death. I want people to feed the kids, the wife. Right? Right. So I had to look at duration. And this is the way I've operated since March in 30-day increments. Mm, That's all I operate because I don't have enough information to go further. Right. Somebody asked me, you know, about speaking. It's beyond 30 days. I said, here's what I could tell you. I, I have a high level of interest. I can't give you an emphatic answer because I operate within 30 days. I think you agree there's a lot of flexibility. So my commitment is yes, with the understanding that I have the flexibility if something changes and that you're flexible enough. But what I started to do is to put durations there. So that was one. Two was the path. What, how am I going to navigate? So one of the things that I shared with you is when this first started is that I was on a podcast and someone said, well, how do you conduct business if you're going to make recommendations to us? And I said, for the next 90 days, I'm going to do all pro bono work. Not free, but what I mean is for people who need the work and don't have the money, then I will do that work with them. So there's a duration there too. You know, and there's a path. There's 90 days. I kind of put the two together. And so I share that with you because it immediately gave me you know, some context here about uh, how I would navigate through all of this. And so I share that with you. I still didn't know know the outcome, but here's what I did know is that I was going to eat the following week. I was going to eat the following month. And the reality is, is based on some things that we had done is that I would in fact eat for the next three or four months or through the end of the year. Right. So, and not that we're wealthy, please. That's not the intent of the story. The point was, is I encourage you to do those same things is to think within 30-day increments when you're going through path, duration, and outcome. Well, so and think about what there. you can control. Yeah, that is, the, that is the big one. You just hit it, is about what you can control. What would you say to the stylist that feels like they can't control anything right now? Like, where would you have them look? Because there are things that you can control. But I know a lot of people are feeling like all of that is, you know, they're having a hard time finding those things. So is is there anything that you would ask them or suggest to them to kind of look within themselves of what they can, you know, control in this fucked up year? Excuse my language. 
<laughs> yeah, no, it's, um, it's, a, listen, it's a question that everybody's asking. Mm-hmm. And you start off by answering that question by asking the question. Right. Your answer is the question. So you need to ask yourself, what can I control? So one of the things we talked about reacting versus responding is you can control how you respond to things Mm -hmm. so that you don't react, whether it's with your kids, whether it's with your clients. Uh, You can look at your situation as far as what your work situation is and just ask yourself, what can I do to maximize my, if if, uh, money is important to you? So even in conversations with with groups, you know, we've we've, uh, done where we've asked, you know, what could I do in the way of hours? So it's not dictated, but some people said, well, you know, I have kids to take care of and, you know, I have parents who can't watch them. And so again, you ask the question because people are, are proficient, even ourselves at what we can't do. The question is, what can you do? And so one person goes, well, twice a week, I could come in two hours early. Great. And so, you know, we kind of went around the horn and, you know, what else? And one person goes, well, we're normally closed on Sunday. And you know what? I I could come in for two hours on Sunday. So I think what you're going to see during this time is a whole lot of innovation coming on board here. And so I think it starts with, I know it starts with you asking yourself, you know, what you can do. I think for people now, here's a decision. I'm going to have to make some health decisions. I'm going to have to make some financial decisions. I'm going to have to make some freedom decisions. I think you're going to have to make ethical decisions. Mm-hmm. That's the hardest one this year, I think. Oh my gosh, isn't it? I mean, that is the hardest one because if we can just be real, I'm not going to give you advice, by the way. So don't ask for it. <laughs> is ethically, do I cut someone's hair on my deck? Do I cut someone's hair in my basement? Do I go to someone's house? Right. And so the way you're going to flush through this is you need to have values by which you live. Those are your guiding principles for what's right and what's wrong. And so I don't want to make those decisions for you guys. I just want to be honest that there is a reality there. And so when you talk to someone else, when you see someone else online, we don't know their circumstances. We really don't. And that's why I go back to now more than ever, I believe it's always true, is that we are here to help, not judge. And so I don't have an answer for you, but that's the filter for making your decisions. And everyone will make a different decision based on their own filters. And the challenge is, is how do I live my values without imposing on yours? Right. It's, it's an interesting world with Instagram because nowadays is like, you know, I could spend a whole week not looking on the screen. Right. And I have, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And this is right for my family. And then especially this year you go and on Instagram and you start seeing what other people are saying and posting. And all of a sudden you go, Oh my God, am I making the right choices? You know, this, maybe this person is making me feel guilty because I made this choice or, you know, whatever. But maybe I don't even know that person. <laughs> you know, they don't know what I'm going through or they don't know, you know, what's going on. And, and it's an interesting world right now where um, you do have to make these choices and you have to make these choices, you know, for yourself and, and not necessarily look at the outside world that isn't affecting these, should not affect 
the choices that you make for you and your family? If you, you can't compare yourself to anyone else because you're going to rob yourself of any joy. Amen. <laughs> so we, uh, about uh, three weeks ago, my wife and I, the weather was nice, sat outside, socially distanced, not from each other, but other people. Right. <laughs> and so um, we had brunch and we had these mimosas and they were making watermelon basil mimosas. So imagine you put the watermelon basil in a food processor, then strain it and you pour it in the champagne. Mm-hmm. With yeah. me? Yeah. So um, <laughs> we made it a habit the last few weeks. And so my son's friend came over and, you know, they're the younger guys, they're 24. And uh, he was telling us, we said, oh, what are your parents up to? And they said, oh, they're actually, my dad's on this 20 foot ladder and he's painting the shingles. And then we did like a fall event and we baked these meals, um, you know, uh, and cookies and things like that. I just looked at my wife as like, oh my God, we're so lazy. So I'm telling the story the next day. And as I'm telling the story, the people are going, oh my God, you and your wife are so fun. I want to hang out with you. And it just brought, it was an example of what we talked about. Us making mimosas, it is what it is. It became bad when we compared ourselves, but realize when we compared ourselves to those people, we excluded this other situation. People thought it was fun. It gets convoluted. Right. So I would share with you, are you doing what's best for you? I spend little to no time um, on uh, Facebook. Instagram, almost zero at this point. Right. Full transparency. Like I should be a pretty evolved human being, right? Like knowing all of this, but knowing and doing are two different things. And we're all vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I saw what other consultants were doing, what other educators are doing, people starting podcasts and doing all these things. Mm-hmm. And somehow it began to minimize what I was doing. And so that's emotional intelligence is to identify an emotion in yourself. And at the risk, you will never have me as a guest again. Um, I felt jealousy. I felt anger. I felt judgment. I felt resentment. You know what? When I stopped going on Facebook and Instagram, it all went away. Exactly. It just let me believe. It wasn't even real. This is something that I had manufactured. So I share that with people because I think you asked what's changed is there is a skill set that was needed before. It's just now needed more than ever. Right. And I think your ability to not compare yourself, to have clear values so that you can make decisions clearly, quickly, and confidently is important to people. I love that. I love that. everything you're saying. I, I really, I really enjoy because I feel like it's not a conversation that we're having as openly, if that makes sense. You know, um, it's not quite as cut and dry, you know, it's definitely mindset or, um, you know, looking within yourself and, you know, it's, it's harder to talk about out open in the public, if that makes sense. Are these the kind of things that you do in your workshops? Yeah. The workshops have really been topics like, the goal within the goal, uh, managing your emotions, the emotions of your clients, because there is a psychological component now. Mm -hmm. And you talked about depression, which I hope it's not true, but they're saying two thirds of the population. And these are the skills, the thinking and skills that can help you to navigate through. It will not make you immune to problems. Please, as you're listening, 
It will just give you a mechanism and a framework. I'm experiencing challenges and problems still, and you will too. Again, this is just a thinking, a framework to navigate through these things. I would say your point was really the foundation of today is it's about communication. And if you want to look at it, ask yourself on a scale of one to 10, how good a communicator am I? 10 being best. If you go, I don't know, somewhere probably about six or seven, ask yourself, what's the one thing that would make me a better communicator? Most people are going to say, well, if I listened more, if I didn't interrupt, does that sound familiar? Literally the first thing that popped in my yes. head. When I said that. <laughs> yes. So what if now you go, you know what, at least for today, at least for today, I'm going to listen without responding. Even when someone went to Disney and I went and I want to tell my story, I'm just going to ask more questions. Mm -hmm. And so you alluded to it. The change begins with us. And I think people want to change their people. They want to change their spouse. They want to change their kids. The change in you will yield a different response and reaction from other people. And so if you can get in this mindset, and by the way, if you don't mind me making a small note, a small, oh, small fine. note, is that now people are goal setting. So I'm working with people now around goal setting. Here's the number one thing I'm sharing with people. Have a goal within a goal. Mm. Have a goal within a goal. So um, neuroscientists have done this study and they've worked with like Navy SEALs, people that have extreme goals. They've done it with people who run marathons. Let me use that because that might, I don't know how many Navy SEALs you have listening, but. <laughs> well, I uh, live in Virginia Beach, so they're everywhere, but I, they're probably can, not listening to this podcast. <laughs> no, not yet, not yet, not yet. Um, one day they will soon. Well, let's just go with the marathon. When they had um, studied marathon runners, here's what happens. They had a goal within a goal. So if they couldn't hit the 26 mile mark or they were struggling, they would say, let me get to that intersection. Let me get to that stop sign. Let me get to that mile marker. Mm -hmm. What they realized is that they could trigger the part of the brain that offers reward. And it releases this chemical dopamine in the body that causes you to take action. And so this allowed them to get a little further to do a little more. And so I'll share this example with you is I told you my, one of my uh, sons moved to Florida during all this. The other one moved home from California. So he works out every day and I just got a pull up bar. And so we were talking and I said, oh, how's that working out for you? He said, really well. I said, oh, what kind of sets are you doing? Because I do 10 sets of 10. Mm -hmm. So I went down there. Let's say I started sweating at the third or fourth, yeah, not set, but pull up, right? Okay. So the goal was for me to do 10 sets of 10. But realizing this, emotional intelligence, right? I was feeling defeated, all those things, goal within a goal. I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try and do three sets of five. Mm -hmm. And I went from doing zero to doing 15 in a workout. I haven't moved beyond that, but that's okay. This is about progress. It's not about perfection, especially now. It could be about maintaining also. Don't sell that short. So for me, what I realize is if I'm working out four times a week, I'm doing 60 pull-ups a week. At the end of the month, I'm doing 240. Right. Versus if I didn't have the goal within the goal, I go, I can't do 10 sets of 10 pull-ups. At the end of the month, I would have done zero. So as you're out there, I would encourage you as you set these goals, even if I'm not going to talk, I'm not going to interrupt, it's not for forever. Your brain likes duration, path, and outcome. Duration is it's going to be for a day. 
the path is here's how I'm going to work it. I'm going to listen. I'm not going to answer. I'm going to ask questions. I love and it. Outcome, better communication. Mm-hmm. Yep. You've got to start somewhere, you know? Yeah. And as long as you wind up somewhere better, perfect. Yep. Um, I was in a coaching group and we had to do a, um, like a vision board. And one of the things on the vision board is we had to write on it. Um, oh crap. Of course, I'm going to forget the actual thing, the quote, but it was basically like, Oh, this or something better. So you put your visions up, but you may put, I want to open a salon, but maybe that's not what happens. Maybe something better happens. And I thought it was really interesting way of thinking about your goals is, you know, as long as you're working towards this thing, even if it turns out differently, it still could be just as amazing as you thought this thing that you wanted was, if that makes sense. Um, and yeah, I, I really like that because sometimes you just, you just have to start and keep going and you know, you'll, you'll find your, you'll find the good in it, you know, at some point. We need to, here's what the world needs. Your point is so well taken. Here's what the world needs now. We need empathy, sympathy, and respect. Mm -hmm. Now we need to start with ourselves. And what you just shared is there's a tremendous lack of empathy for yourself these days. And I'm not a self-help person. It's just there's something detrimental if you can't give yourself a margin of error. I'm going to open the salon. I don't open the salon. I'm a failure. Isn't that the way it nets out? Yes. And it shouldn't. What if along the way you learned a ton about the Small Business Association? You learned a ton about PPE. What if you made some new connections? What if you became an educator in the process? What if you helped someone else in the journey to either go there or not go there? So there needs to be a level of empathy, but realize it still goes back to judging. There is a place for judging. It's just not for everything. There's a place for it. And so, you know, the sympathy is more the action part, I would say, and mm-hmm. how you show up for people. And then the respect part. So I'm talking about yourself, but this now you have to extend it out to other people is being respectful, even though you don't respect the person. Mm, yes. Or maybe the results. And so from a societal standpoint, you need to do these things for yourself. But when you look at what's going on as a country, as a nation right now, we have little to no empathy. If we differ in opinion, in identity, in religion, in politics, right? Right. No empathy whatsoever. And we don't show any sympathy. Mm-hmm. Cancel culture. I mean, Just, you don't agree with me, we're done with you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then there's no respect and respect is being, I'm talking about being respectful. I don't have to respect what you're doing, respect your beliefs around the things we talked about. I can still be respectful. And when there causes a divide is when you're not, people are okay with having a differencing of opinion and not respecting someone. It's when you become disrespectful. And so the empathy, sympathy, respect we need to have for ourselves, we need to have for others. I'll tell you, when people, the biggest rub was when the unemployment then offered the extra $600 because stylists were not coming back to the sun. They go, why would I come back to the sun? I'm making more on unemployment. Right. 
And if you can show empathy, empathy, you have to first understand the other person's situation. That's how you gain empathy. So if somebody went on unemployment, if you said, sounds like money's the most important thing to you now, tell me about that. Right. They go, well, it is. It's the most important thing. I pay my bills and I can make more than making um, coming to work. And I'd ask them, remember, duration, path, and outcome. How long is this going to last? It sounds like money's important to you. How long is this going to last for you? Well, I know it goes up until July. And then what are your plans after July if money's still important to you and that $600 is not there? Well, I'll go back to, to my clients. And what do you think, where do you think your clients are going to be? Are they going to be at another salon, another stylist, or they're waiting for you? Right. And then that's when it gets your, your mind going. <laughs> yeah. But you're showing empathy by trying to understand what's going on. Right. There's a lot of situations that you guys have seen this situation, but you haven't seen that person and you don't know their circumstances, right? So someone not coming to work because they don't want to catch COVID is somewhat different than someone not coming to work because they're afraid that their parents are going to catch COVID. There's little nuanced things. Right. It's showing empathy and then sympathy where you can being flexible to adjust. And at the end of the day, going, listen, I can't say that we agree on this, but it's important that I show respect to your decisions. So here's what we're willing to do. Love or what that. can you do in the way of a decision that shows respect to you, me showing respect to you, and that you return that respect to your peers and to myself? Because you're asking for to be off of work every day at three o'clock. Right. Makes sense to you? So having yeah. these filters, and I think empathy, sympathy, and respect, every conversation can, can use those kind of filters, but we got to show it for ourselves too. And right now, I think there's something for getting through. You know, people going, well, you know what? I haven't put on any, uh, you know, I haven't lost weight. I haven't put on any size. Have you gained weight? No. Well, okay. I'd say based on what's going on, congratulations right. to you then. <laughs> right. So I share this with you because you're going to vibrate at a different frequency. If your thinking is different, it drives different emotions, it drives different behaviors. And you can be present for your people. As a stylist, the most gifted thing, there's something called the social comparison theory in psychology. And here's how it works. Is um, when we don't know how to react in a situation, mm -hmm. we look for the highest ranking person in that situation. So if you've ever been on a plane, there's turbulence. What do you do? You look oh, towards the flight attendant. Immediately. Yeah. And what do they say? We're experiencing a little turbulence. If you put your train in an upright position, we'll be suspending the movie and drink service momentarily. And you're like, you're, oh, must you're be good okay. at that. Uh, yeah, did a little flying. Yeah. Yes. Um, and you're like, cool. And in theory, you should be a little nervous. You're 30,000 feet in the air, right? And you're in a right. contraption that weighs two tons. Right. So comparison theory, look at that person. Now, if you've ever been on a plane and that's happened and it got worse, who gets on? The captain. Right. He says, all right, this is your captain. We'll be moving to 40,000 feet momentarily, at which point we'll resume the drink service and the movie. Thank you. Right? Right. Again, now you've gone 10,000 feet. You should be more nervous. Social comparison theory. Look for the highest ranking person. However they respond is how you respond. Now go back to a salon. Mm -hmm. And now you're behind the chair. And they said, well, how are you doing during COVID? And you go, oh my gosh, I've lost so much money and I'm going to kill my husband. And I thought I love my kids and I don't. How's it going for you? Right. Social comparison theory. I'm nervous. I'm scared. Social comparison theory. Yeah. 
And so it's important that you get yourself right. And some of these things that we talked about today, this emotional intelligence to realize, hey, and by the way, it's not enough just to identify. You can go, I'm stressed and understand that it's because of money and I just got in a fight in my spouse. But if you don't adjust your behavior, it's not going to resolve things for you. But if you come to work and you go, okay, listen, we're stressed about money. That's what we're fighting about. If I could be really, really awesome today, I'm going to kill it. So I get extra tips that will offset some of the stress we have. That's someone with emotional intelligence. That's why they do well. That's why their retention, their working, their referrals, reviews all go up. It's the person you ever met someone that I'm just in a bad mood today. Right. Everybody suffers, including themselves. Yes. So essentially, I mean, we talked about communicating with other people, but I mean, really emotional attention, uh, intelligence is about communicating with yourself. That's where it starts. You yeah. just, it's really about self-awareness. Right, right. Is where it starts. And then that goes out to social awareness. Yeah, it, you just, you articulated it really well. It always starts with you, by the way. Right. Not right. in a narcissistic way, please, no, no, no. for anybody who's yes, listening. No, I know exactly what you but mean. But if yep. you're looking for resolution, it starts with you. And what, what part did I contribute to this? And what can I do to fix it? And if you're a leader listening, and by leader, I don't just mean by title. I mean, if you influence people as a mom, as a small group leader, as a salon owner, as a size, whatever it, it may be, is that th this is your opportunity now in 2020. And the question to ask yourself is, how do you want people to describe you during this period in time? That's a good journal entry. It's a great one. Mm -hmm. And do you want people to say, oh, they were smart, they were engaging, they were insightful, they were resilient? Or do you want to say, man, they really complained a lot. It seems like they have the worst luck imaginable. And by the way, I'm not minimizing anything that's going on because there are people who've lost lives. And I'm not, because there, there's, you know, for people who maybe lost someone close to them, maybe they've lost their home, maybe they're in the food lines. For them to go, everything's great. There, there's a little bit of disconnect in reality. I'm not right. asking for that. Right. I mean, there is something to be said for someone that's, listen, I've had a hard go with things. I mean, I saw a story on, uh, I won't say the station, because that gives away <laughs> your political affiliation. So I would say that. But in any event, the person on the news was um, a war vet, 57 years old. And lost his job and since March lost his home is renting the house he'd been paying for for most of his life he said I found myself four hours waiting in my car in a food line right and so the reporter said you know it's heartbreaking to hear where does this leave you he said here's where it leaves me is I'm volunteering from now on Aww. I have again it's the mindset not negating what was going on it was his mindset that I can still have value because he said, I wasn't feeling any value. It's very hard as a man and a father not to be able to provide for your family and then to get in the food line, very, very hard. But I found where I could add value to this whole equation. And it's around volunteering. So now he's gonna volunteer in these food lines even while he's looking for work. And so I don't, I want you to know as you hear this, it's not, suppressing it, it it's not going to mitigate you from any of these things it's giving you a framework and a mechanism and i looked at that guy and that's my prayer to god is that i can have that filter when adversity hits because adversity doesn't define character i've heard that said it exposes it yeah and for that guy on tv that's who he was 
Right. That's who, and better, for better or worse, we're seeing exactly who people are now. Ain't that the truth? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Clients, peers, family members. Yeah. But again, yeah. not here to judge, here to help. I'm going to leave you with one story. Is that okay? And then yep, we'll wrap up. Yep, go for up. it. Yep. All right. So I tell this story in the book. So if you like it, it's, it's in there. But there's a church. They've been around for 96 years. No neighbors to the left and no neighbors to the right. One day a for sale sign goes up. Same day a sold sign goes up. One of the members of the church goes down to the township and says, who are our new neighbors? They look it up. They say, it's a strip club. So if you're listening on the call, strip club and a church. <laughs> the thinking of that member is that this is wrong. This is immoral. They felt this judgment. The feelings were anger and resentment. The behavior was to get a group of people to picket and petition. Now, there's another member of the church that heard the news, and her thinking is, we're not here to judge. We're just here to help. So every Saturday night from 10 to 2 in the morning, they would cook, and they would serve the unserved, and they give them eggs and pancakes and bacon. So I go back to it. The thinking of one, help. The thinking of other, judge. The emotion of one to help, compassion understanding. The emotions of the other, anger, resentment. The difference between picketing and pancakes, the thinking. That's the that. message. Yeah, I love that. So um, for anyone listening, um, that is also in his book, This or That, or This Versus That. I'm sorry, yes. I'm reading it now. Um, it's very good. Um, Jay Williams, please let people know where they can find you. Okay, well, I'm in hiding now. So, yeah, <laughs> obviously, I'm not on Facebook or something. No, you can go on Facebook and Instagram, and it's at J. Williams Co. for both of them. So, J A Y Williams C O. You'll find me on both. The website is jwilliamsco.com. So, J A Y W I L L I A M S C O.com. Uh, it sounds narcissistic. It's not. Someone just told me, don't come up with the name of your company and your name. People never remember. Hey, come mine's up with the one same. Thing. Okay, good. I feel better. I feel better. I feel, yeah. I don't feel judge, but I love the company now. Yeah, so that's, um, that's how they can find me. For the book, um, both books you can find on the website. Mm -hmm. uh, you can also find them on Amazon. Uh, there is e-versions of them. For Leave Your Mark, there's an audio if you like that as well. Awesome. So thank you for asking. I appreciate that. 100% of the profits from Leave Your Mark go towards stopping human trafficking. Oh, I love and that. So, I didn't know that. Yeah. Let me just tell you. So just if you don't mind, just right quick, uh, my, my wife and I, we probably like a lot of you, we donated money here and there, cancer, diabetes, not that they're unimportant, but we made a decision probably about seven years ago. We're going to find something that we can connect with, we can volunteer with. And so in our area, someone came to our church six years ago to talk about human trafficking. I'm thinking, ah, some third world country. Right here where I live in Bucks County is a corridor. I had no idea, but the infrastructures of our road make it very accessible for this type of activity across the country. So not only do we get a chance to volunteer there, but we've been giving money for six years to this organization through the book sales. And so 100%. So 
um, it helps to stop human trafficking. It focuses on women, and we have a primarily uh, female-based business. Right. And so uh, we support three organizations. One's in this industry, and it's called justiceandsoul.org. If you're a stylist listening, um, this gentleman, Matthew Fairfax, in uh, Seattle, and be a fun guest to have on your show. Uh, also, this was on his heart. He went to Cambodia and opened a cosmetology school. Because the women and men who are in human traffic, there is, for women, there is nothing. There's, right. there's not careers or anything. I started this school. Last year, he opened the salon. So not only can they graduate, they have a place to work. That's awesome. It is remarkable. And during the absence of the school, because they're going through the same thing we are, they've been using this money to help the teachers to stay there when they get back. The teachers who go there, they don't really make any money. It's more just so for food. There's stylists like you and the people who are listening who will volunteer a month, months, a year at a time. So it was something that brought together women. It brought together this human trafficking issue and it brought together our industry. So that's for um, Leave Your Mark. That that's book. awesome. I will put all of this in the show notes. If you're listening, okay, you can great. Uh, find all of that there. Um, Jay, thank you so much. I really, it was fun. yes, this was fun. I think I made a new friend too. Thank right. you. <laughs> Once again, thank you so much for listening to Backroom Beauty Talks. I am trying to get 20 reviews on iTunes before 2021. So if you're listening and you loved it, go ahead and hop on over to iTunes and leave Backroom Beauty Talks a review. And uh, don't forget to post on Instagram, you know, all the things, all, all the things that uh, help spread awareness for this new venture that I hope you are enjoying as much as I am. Have a good one. And I will talk to you on the next one.